Welcome to the Gym Owners Business Podcast with Mel Tempest. The Gym Owners Business Podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Thomas Plummer, MyZone, Creative Fitness Marketing, and All Smiles Creative. The Gym Owners Business Podcast is part of the Gym Owners Business Network, which is the industry's go-to online hub designed to better service the needs of fitness business owners. The Gym Owners Business Network is currently finalising foundation memberships, so if you're a fitness business that would like to gain valuable and extensive exposure to the Australian and global fitness industries, then head to gymownersbusinessnetwork.net to find out more. Wow, good morning. It's Mel Tempest from the Gym Owners Business Podcast and Network. And today I'm speaking to two amazing, amazing guests, being Bobby Capietro and Sean Mulroney. Now, I'm very excited to have a chat with these guys today. So let me tell you all about Sean. Sean has a, an incredible story, which I'm going to get him to all chat to you about shortly. And through his story, He's created the Obesity Revolution and Teens of America. But first, I want Sean to share his journey with you. And Bobby, as we all know, is a best-selling author, speaker, and coach. And Bobby is globally helping people reach their health and well-being goals through behavior change. So good morning to both of you. Good morning, Good morning. Awesome. Now, Sean, I'm going to start with you first. Sean, you have a, an incredible journey and certainly it's certainly not over. Can I ask you at what point in your life did you say no more in regards to, well, that, to the obesity issue? Sure. Well, that's a great question, Mel. Um, you know, anybody that, you know, wants to, that's obese or morbidly obese, you know, they, they want to lose weight worse than anybody does, you know, just, you know, you know, you do. And of course, all my choices started way back whenever I was a kid, you know, from drugs and alcohol, then it turned over whenever I gave that stuff up, I turned into, you know, food, you know, sodas, caloric drinks, all that stuff, and just replaced all that stuff. And uh, then I got to the point, you know, I was a functional obese person. When I got married, I was about 300, and, you know, high upper 300s. And then I got an infection. When I got that infection my first time in 2000, um, I, I kept on getting them and then I formed cellulitis and then lymphedema. And then in 2004, I was at my highest weight, which I did not know that when I got into the hospital, almost died from an allergic reaction to an antibiotic. And I tipped the scale at that time at 567. And then from there, I went all the way up and my highest weight was 587. And um, I knew that I had to make a change. I tried everything. I, I tried every diet, every this, every that, trying to get my body under subjection. But, you know, I find out you can't do that unless your mind isn't in shape. Your body's not going to get in shape. So I started down this, you know, downward spiral, went to the darkest point of my life. And, you know, my mother died. I was in the hospital 11 times since 2000 and um, died from, you know, uh, sepsis, almost almost died from sepsis. And, of course, I, I knew I needed to make a change all that time. And then there was just one year solid that I said, I, I don't want to, you know, live. And um, I was in the darkest period of my life. And, um, you know, my daughter, my first daughter was born in 2010, Madison. And that got real. It was like, you know, I got it not just myself, my wife, but now I have a daughter. You know, it took us 12 years to have her first child. 
and then Olivia was born. She's four now. And then it got really big time. It was like I'm tr- my why was re- re- presenting itself. And then in 2016, um, uh, December 26th to be exact, my third daughter, Mackenzie, was born. And I cut that umbilical cord, you know, Mel, Bobby, and something came, a wave just came over me. I was just like, I need to do something. But prior to that, I had trainers, uh, probably 30 plus trainers that turned me away. I asked, you know, for their help. And, you know, they just said, go see your doctor. The doctor says, go see this. And, you know, nobody was was there or somebody would take me on if I take their products or, you know, whatever. I just was being dismissed. And and so December, I was at my house and I was trying. I I was on my journey for six years. So I first five years I was spending getting my mind in shape. I didn't realize that because six years ago I gave up soda. I gave up fast food. Haven't had a Big Mac in six years. And so I was taking these small steps and small step, you know, small tweaks lead to great peaks. I did not know that at the time. But that day, Mel, I called a gym three miles away from me the day of my daughter's, you know, my third daughter's birthday. And when I called out uh, three miles away, I watched my two oldest, you know, playing in the living room. My mother-in-law took them. I called that gym and uh, receptionist order, you know, uh, answered the phone. And I just said, uh, there's no trainers there, she told me. I said, well, I just poured out my heart to her. And I said, here's where I'm at. I said, I, I need help. I said, here's where I'm at, my highest weight. She goes, my. She goes, Sean, I'm sorry to hear that. I will leave, you know, this note for a trainer. And I heard that before. So I just wanted to put out one last plea. And sure enough, an hour later, I get a call. And it was Brandon Glore. Um, he said, Sean, this is Brandon Glore from, you know, the gym. And I said, Brandon, I said, man. Uh, thanks for calling me. We spent about an hour and a half. He goes, hey, you want to meet? I said, yes. I said, well, this week is out. My wife just had a, our third child. And he says, well, how about I come to your house? I was like, what? I said, that's my, I'm deaf in one ear. I was like, that's my deaf ear speaking to my good ear. And he said, no, I'll come to your house. How about tomorrow at two o'clock? I said, man, yes. So I did not know this at the time. He wasn't taking any clients on. He was completely booked. And he came over to, uh, uh, my house the next day, we sat there for two and a half hours. And I tell everybody, it's a joke. I say, you know, he just wanted to come over to see how fat I was. And I just laugh and, and get everybody cutting up about, about that. And sure enough, we spent two and a half hours there Mel. And, um, he told me, he looked at me, he goes, you're ready for this. I said, yeah, I'm ready. And he told me, he says, I'm going to take you on. I said, are you serious? He said, yes. And I got into, it. I said, well, how about the price and everything? And he said, um, he said, I'm taking you on for nothing. And I wow. said, are you serious? That's my deaf ear again. I said, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, no, I'm going to, he said, let's, let's, let's go to work. He said, I'm going to help you. I, I'm going to be there. And then I asked him this question that I ask everybody that since I've been talking to trainers and, you know, Bobby, who is so kind to, um, you know, take me under his wing and you Mel and allow me to be on, you know, your, your, your podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm honored, but I said to him, I said, uh, I've said, Brandon, have you ever been overweight? He said, not five pounds. And I said, have you ever worked with somebody like me? And he says, no. And this is where the change is right here. And I'll leave it at this. He said to me, he looked at me, he goes, you know what? He says, you want to learn from me, right? I said, I, yes, I do. I said, I, I, I'm a bodybuilder. I told him, he says, what? He looked at me funny. I said, I'm just a carb. I built my bodies with the wrong materials. And he laughed and um, I said to him, uh, I looked back at him. He said, uh, 
I said, have you ever worked with anybody my size? He says, no. He says, I want to learn from you. And I said, what? He says, no. He says, I went to school. I went to every training. He said, I went to four years of college. I have the bill to show for it. He says, I've never worked with somebody your size. And he says, I'm done with that. I want to learn from you, Sean, if you're willing to learn from me. And since then, now, since that January uh, 10th, 2017, was my first day in the gym. He put me through a workout. My hair was hurting. My toenails were hurting. And now, since that, I'm down 105 pounds. And um, I posted my first workout video uh, just to be more accountable. I did not know that it was going to reach 200,000 views within four hours. And then by the next day, it was at 1.2 million and the rest is history. So my journey turned into a movement and now it's turned into a revolution. And I'm here on this journey and enjoying every minute of it. And now I get to share this with your podcast, Mel, and with the world that, hey, my obesity does not define me. And I think it's an incredible story so far, Sean. I really do. But the one thing that really disturbed me about what you just said, and I'm going to ask Bobby his thoughts on this, is when you yes. said that you were dismissed. I mean, who who dismissed you? And, and, and Bobby, why would somebody dismiss somebody like Sean who's asking for help? Because Sean's not the only person globally with this issue. You and I both know that. So why would somebody dismiss somebody that's asking for help? Now, I went mental when Sean first told me that. This is not the first time I heard that. And the first time I heard that, it hurt. Because we talk in our industry a lot about helping people. It, it's, it's our mantra. And some people, I mean, look at, look at Brandon. There are trainers out there like that operating off of that level of compassion, humility, servitude. And in the very same industry, we have people under the guise of, I want to look good publicly, so I'm going to profess this. But then they raise the bar to entry, or in this case, they close the door to entry of our industry completely when somebody falls outside the scope of who they want to work with. And, you know, when I first heard Sean say that, you know, the first thing that popped into my head was maybe a good portion of these 30 something trainers turned Sean away because they thought, okay, this is outside of my scope of practice. And I don't want to negligently step out of my scope of practice and unwittingly do harm. But the second part of what Sean said really disturbed me. I know I can't help you, but here, take my pill or drink my shake. I'm convinced this is exactly what you need. You need to go to a doctor, which is not bad advice. I need to work in conjunction with a medical professional. Again, not bad advice. Because of the dynamic complexity of the situation and what it's going to require on the journey. However, I'm sure that my shortcut solution, because I'm in a network marketing program, will absolutely help you. Now, that's not a dig against network marketing. It's a dig against the intention of I see an opportunity to exploit someone's situation. So maybe they can invest in my product, but I'm not going to invest myself in them. There's a lot of reasons for it. And, and, and you know, I don't know exactly what it is. 
because there's so many variables to why someone does something or doesn't do something. And any answer I give is going to be based on my biases, but my biases are based on my experiences. And very often in this industry, I was talking to the founder of a major health club franchise in the U.S. yesterday, and, I, and this came up. My experience very often is that in the midst of a rare few, and when I say few, I mean there's a lot of them. In the United States, where, you know, where I'm, I'm doing this podcast right now with you, there's 300,000 certified trainers. So when I say rare few, there's very many of them that are extraordinary. But they are mixed in with an industry that very often is hyper-focused on ourselves. And we talk about one thing, but we do a completely different thing whenever the opportunity presents itself. You know, we talk about helping people, but really when you see somebody on a club visit and, you know, Mel, you're not a stranger to this, you know, you'll have somebody who's a regional manager sitting down with a general manager and saying, all right, I want to see all your profiles. Who came in? Okay, why did this person not join? Well, gee, I don't know. Let's take a look at the profile. So what was the objections? They go right to the objection. How'd you overcome the objection? So the entire conversation is around what do we need? What do we want? What are we going to ask for? But very rarely have I seen somebody say, let me, let me ask you a question. This person came in, said they wanted to make a change. For whatever reason, they decided not to. What was the worst experience this person ever had related to exercise or at least physical activity? Were they into sports when they were younger? Did they get picked last? What's the lowest point they were at? What right now is the biggest problem and pain they're facing as a result of the situation? And what did they say about how that's going to exacerbate itself and expand two years from now, three years from now, if action isn't taken immediately? And they have no answer. Mm. So you're worried about your clothes, but you don't even know the person. You didn't even care to ask a question about the person who came to you for help sitting in front of you. You know, the reason why you lost a member or you, in some cases, lost a client is because you never really deserved one in the first place. Because, mm. I mean, correct me, yeah. correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Sean. I mean, it, it, there is a large element of luck. We talked about yes. this because imagine if. After trainer 29, Sean said to himself, you know what? This isn't for me because we talk we talk a lot to Sean about what he should be doing and how he should think and what his attitude should be, because we have tons of assumptions about right thinking, right behaviors, right values, right choices, wrong choices. But then here somebody goes through 20, 25, 26, 27. I mean, what, what happened after the 29th trainer where Sean decides I'm never going to find someone who's willing to work with me in the fitness industry and relapses back into his behavior patterns. But now he feels a little bit more of what we would call learn helplessness. And not only does he not try, he gives up completely. And his situation not only fails to get better, it gets worse. It just happened to be that after he kept trying, he picked up the phone and called the right club. And, and as much as I love Brandon, you know, let's give credit to the person who is actually behind the counter for her to yeah. even say to Sean, wow, I'm really sorry. How many clubs would Sean have called 
And they're like, oh, okay, after hearing his whole story, here's a human being pouring their heart out to you. Yeah, I got somebody coming. Okay, I'll, I'll hand this off. Click. But mm-hmm. to actually take the time to acknowledge him and then pass on that information to somebody who represents everything the training industry, the fitness industry yeah. should be at its best. So there was an element of luck there. Let's mm. be honest. I mean, but Bobby, you and I was... both know people do that every day in the club. They put it mm-hmm. in a true hard basket, don't they? They want everything to, to, to fit inside the little box. They want the perfect client to PT. They want the perfect person that's going to answer the questions when they walk in to join the gym. Anything that becomes outside the square that's too hard to answer, it's easier to ignore than to help. Mm. Yeah, yes. very often. Uh, it's not very often, it's every day. I mean, it's every day, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Because reality yeah. is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you and I and Sean wouldn't be having this discussion now if the fitness industry had it right. And the fin- fitness industry has it very, very wrong. And that was actually one of my, my forthcoming questions to Sean. I mean, Sean, obviously, you know, as you said, you've gone through all of these these phone calls and ringing these clubs and people dismissing you. I mean, how do you see the fitness industry club owners being able to make an impact to fight obesity? You tell us, as the client, what the hell are we doing wrong? Because Bobby and I have these conversations a lot that that we've just had that we're having now, where where you know people are dismissing people, people aren't asking the right questions. So you, as a consumer, that has an obesity problem, what the hell are we doing wrong? Well, to be honest, Mel, and to the detriment to be respectful too, um, I, I'm, I thank God for trainers. You know what I mean? Thank Brandon. They're, they're them out there. You know, to, we throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you will. Um, thank you. I, like with you, you, you think about you think about you, Mel. You have a compassion. Bobby has a compassion. You know, they're out there. There's other Brandons out there. And I had a pretty, you know, big trainer one time said, well, that's not my area of expertise. You know what I mean? But, hey, you know, good, good, good luck. You know what I'm saying? I hope you find somebody aspect. I think what it is is that if somebody says it ain't my expertise, then why don't we train? And I think that this is an incredible point. One time Bobby and I were talking and he said, you know, with Brandon, where he's at, it's going to make him more versatile by working with somebody like you. And the rest of the people that have come on board that Brandon's working with and what he has learned, it has sharpened him for people that want to lose vanity weight from 50 pounds or 100 pounds. But you work with me, you know, I'm a freak of nature and I'm proud of it. I'm an oddity. Um, You know, I got to, number one, cut my excuses. You know, obese people, they're they're stereotypes, right? I I know that they're, you know, people fit it. And I don't want to fit that stereotype or the stereotypical stigma but I don't want people to create, you know, uh, I want to kill that assumption and I want to create that awareness that, hey, this is where you're at. Obese people, my, my, my community, my tribe needs to take ownership of their obesity. But at the same time is the health and fitness industry, you know, gym owners down to trainers to whatever, they have to take ownership and responsibility to say, I have these tools and resources. Let me learn from you. And that's what we want to do is that we're looking and, you know, here in America, you know, 40 percent of America is obese. And I know there's a problem in Australia, too, as well, in UK, all over the place. But, you know, 30 percent of that 40 percent never come out of their home. 
Well, because they're hiding in the shadows of obesity and they're productive. And that, then uh, I know and I've seen the ones, you know, Brandon took on 10 more uh, clients at no cost. We did a contest and I seen the light bulb come on to them. They're like getting their life back, their purpose back, because you know what? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's what I wish the health and fitness industry and even the doctors, the medical, the doctors would not be dismissive. And the health and fitness industry would at least care and say, okay, let's train the ones that have a passion for the obese person, not just to make their themselves look good. Because, you know, what Brandon's doing with me, that doesn't make him look good, especially, you know, me losing 105 pounds is like throwing a launcher off the Titanic, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's a long process. It's a, you know, it's a process that I'm sticking to it. And Brandon said something to me because I fluctuate with water because of my lymphedema. Well, Brandon got a whole education on lymphedema that he didn't even know and then retaining water. And even that what he assumed and you and you asked Brandon this, he thought, Sean, come on, you're not you're not doing what I'm saying. I said, Brandon, I am my wife. My wife does not lie for me. And she said, Brandon. He is on it like and then he got a dose of reality by looking at this because the retention of water, you know, uh, there's other things that not operating. I'm I'm a fat storing machine. And so what Brandon says, he goes, I'm not quitting and you're not quitting and we're going to learn this together. So I just wish that the health and fitness industry would have compassion and would learn from us. And I'll be the world's you know, largest lab rat. I'm already doing that. I am fine with that. I, I, I focus on that struggle and I'm showing my struggles and showing real life. And that's why people are getting attached because you know what? I don't want to go to the gym. You know, I don't want to, you know, I, I fight every time I go to the gym because my body doesn't want to do that. My knees hurt, my back hurts, but Brandon says, you know what? I'm here and I care. And mm-hmm. that's the one thing I wish that trainers that you know, hey, they look good, man. I got built. You know what I'm saying? And the other spectrum is think about this. The person that has a good metabolism, they say, man, they can eat whatever they want to. And they got the metabolism of a hummingbird. I have the metabolism of an elephant. And so what happens is, is that we criticize. We don't criticize that person. And if just because you look healthy doesn't mean you are healthy, because I've had doctors, Mel and Bobby, I told Bobby this, too. I had a doctor keep me in the hospital five extra days because he said I'm diabetic and I'm not. He said that I'm, I'm, I have health problems. I don't. He, he said I have cholesterol. I don't. He wouldn't even get my, my numbers from my, my regular doctor. So that was the doctor. And then that, I was getting it from both ends. So what they were doing is creating assumption because look at that. You were fat. You're unhealthy. Yes, it is unhealthy. Being fat is not healthy one bit. Being overweight, obese, whatever you want to label it is not healthy, but you know what? I need somebody that if I'm going to learn rocket science, I got to go to somebody that knows about rocket science. If I'm going to learn about banking or how to better my finances, I'm going to go to a financial advisor. Well, guess what? I want to learn about health. We apparently did it wrong. Then I need to go to somebody that has the knowledge on, you know, about my, my, my glands, about my, you know, if I'm, you know, uh, uh, insulin resistant, if my, you know, my thyroid's off, whatever. My metabolism is apparently off. And especially with my, you know, my gut health, it, that's off too because I've been on antibiotics for 18 years. And so nobody has ever told that. So I would just like the compassion 
and the education that they would instill in us and say, I'm going to learn. I don't know this, but I'll take you on just like Brandon did. And just that compassion and that caring, that's what would change the health and fitness industry. And I'm willing to do that and say, here I am, work with me. And I got hundreds of other people that are reaching out to me every week and saying, I need help. They're begging. Their battle cry for mm -hmm. obesity is on like never before. And they're tethering to me because they're saying, man, you, how are you doing this? What are you doing? Because it took an obese person to say, I'm done with this and never thought that I would be here. But I just want the health and fitness industry to say, I want to change the gyms, you know, for people to be obesity revolution certified, you know, and that we have all over gyms to where people and trainers are taking obese people on and then they are caring for them and instilling the knowledge that they have about their physical and their health and exercise. That's what I want. So, Bobby, let, let's, uh, let me put this to you as a fitness professional. Is there a possibility in the near future that we could be running four or five day workshops that dedicate themselves to fitness professionals like myself and my trainers that work alongside me to be able to work with obese clients because the current the current marketplace of personal trainers they don't have the the education and the skill to work with people similar to Sean. Well, if take a look, anytime a market opportunity is big enough or somebody is committed enough, educational forms like that emerge. Now, the trend I've seen in the fitness industry over the years is faster, shorter, execute based on training and knowledge, which doesn't work. You, know, you, you do not create transformation in thinking, nor capacity, nor skill set, simply by putting up a PowerPoint presentation and disseminating information. However, I remember way back in the day when I used to go to these workshops and, and my conversation yesterday, this was brought up not by me, but by my friend, who the, the founder, where he said, wow, the best experience I ever had in the fitness industry was decades ago. When we used to go to five-day workshops, 10, 12 hours a day and go down the rabbit hole. Today, if you say you're going to do something in five days, they're like, well, could you get it done in three? You say three. They're like, well, could you do it in an afternoon? And things like this take time. So we have to understand that there's a return in an inv any investment we make in a population, especially like Sean, who a lot of people don't want to acknowledge this, but psychologically – physiologically, metabolically, Sean has so many more challenges than your vanity weight client, than someone who just needs to lose that extra five or 10 pounds or a couple of kilos. They're a completely different biological situation. And there's a lot of training and development necessary. So yes, we can make that shift, but enough people have to want to, have to see value in it. And the, the, the employers have to see that there's going to be a return on investment. Now, here's, here's what I think is the bigger picture. The more we – let's go back to that trainer who said, hey, you know what? You're a little bit outside my scope of practice. I have respect for that because in a very real way, this is outside their scope of practice. However, better than that is – 
Brandon, you know, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but here's what I do now. I care. I will put in all of the effort to help facilitate your outcome if you're willing to commit and meet me halfway. I will learn whatever I need to learn. I will find whatever network I need to find in order to be able to help you. Now, think about that for a second, Mel. Think about a trainer in your facility who hasn't been through a sales course. They don't know the doorknob closed, the puppy dog closed, the alternative choice closed. But they sit in front of somebody who is very apprehensive because they've been turned away dozens, literally dozens of times because they they don't know where to begin. They don't think it's possible. They've not been through that journey before. So you have skepticism and terror and and the absolute disposition where I don't want to be judged by you. And you have that dynamic working. And this trainer looks at Sean and says, you know what? I don't have any sympathy for you because I know you're not a victim. I know you're capable. I know this is absolutely not beyond you. And even though I've never been in your situation, I have a ton of empathy. I can only imagine what you're going Mm -hmm. through. And if you're willing to teach me, just like I'm willing to teach you, if you're willing to make a commitment, just like I'm willing to commit everything to you, the outcome has to be your responsibility because I am not with you the other 23 hours. But I will tell you this. I will do everything I can to make sure that you have all the resources that you will not fail. I will partner with you. I declare this. Think about that conversation Mm. communicated emotionally and authentically. Are you telling me that what that trainer would need to drive the business is a better freaking closing technique? Are you joking? Think about the humanity there. If somebody Mm. gets up from that, they weren't ready. They Mm -hmm. didn't want the help in the first place. And that's got to be okay. We've got to be okay with those people. Yes. Because delays are not denials. You know, I I had um, had a conversation with a phenomenal woman. You should probably connect with her, Sean. Uh, I think you guys would love each other. Her name is Artemis Limpert. Now, a lot of people don't know who Artemis Limpert is. She's an international speaker, probably one of the most powerful people from the stage you'll ever listen to. And she was the overall winner of the very first Body for Life. Now, she Mm. competed against 720,000 people. And this was a woman who was never fit in her life. And she always struggled. She struggled in a lot of areas with work, life, her weight. But she made a declaration. And here's something that she says. There's two really important things here. And she was talking about the trans-theoretical model of change. And when somebody's in the preparation phase, and I'm going to break that down into simple English, that's when somebody resolves, I will do this. Now, when they say, I will do this, this is something the fitness industry has to get through our heads. It doesn't mean they're going to do this right now, today. I've heard sales managers get up in front of their sales team and say, look, if somebody takes that walk through that parking lot, which is terrifying, and they walk through the front door 
and they sit down, they go for a tour, they are ready to buy today. And in a lot of cases, that is absolutely correct. And in a lot of cases, that is wrong. That is their mm. first step of exploration because they have made a decision, but they haven't decided to execute today. And the question you get is, why would someone go through all that and walk out? An array of reasons, a multitude of reasons. We've got to be okay with somebody who is in the pre-contemplation, which you'll probably not see people very often who are in in the mindset of either I can't do this, I know I should, but I can't or I won't, but we deal with people who are in contemplation. They haven't said I will. They're saying I might. And non-judgment and unconditional positive regard and being okay with whatever they decide, all things being equal, very often tips the decision in the favor of action because you mitigate the threat that you present to this person. And that's very critical for us to understand. And Artemis also said that this wasn't her exact words, but I'll use the word declaration. When you make and keep your declarations, no matter what, you are 60% there. Now, Sean said, well, I've been doing everything right and not progressing. Well, that's true because you might be dealing with issues of insulin resistance, leptin resistance. You're dealing with a malfunction in satiety centers. You're, you're dealing with a lot of issues that might not be as commonplace, but still, what does Sean do every day? He still keeps his declarations no matter what. Does that mean we never go off? Does that mean no one ever has a bad day or a bad weekend? What do you do? You enjoy it. You have fun. You get back on track. You don't catastrophize. You don't blame yourself. You say, wow, what did that mean? How did I enjoy that? What did I learn from that? You go through a process of understanding what your triggers are, why you were predisposed to that relapse in the first place. Then you get back on track. So if we meet people where they need to be met, when they need to be met there, and we hold ourselves and them to their declarations, just the declarations, you're two-thirds of the way there. Sean, how do you relate to what Bobby's saying? I, 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 I have 150,000 uh, agree. I mean, a million, I, I don't know how to agree anymore. You know, if I could, you know, just put a bunch of hearts up there, I mean, I'd, I'd go nuts uh, because that declaration is so vital because – it is not a one size fits all, you know, and I did break that chain. Okay. Number one is what Bobby said is that, have I had bad days? Yes, I have. Have I went off course? Yes. But one thing that I broke and it was amazing when I did is I used to self-sabotage and whenever I would get off track, I wouldn't get back up on the horse. So every time I do that and I get back up on, I get back up on the horse right away I don't do it, whether it's a weekend, whether it's a day, whatever. And what it is, it's called being human, which has Brandon has, has, you know, taught me is being human. We're going to do this. And then them small type steps is what I have to do. And that's what I have to do is whenever I simplified that switch of simplification came on whenever I didn't try to do, because I Googled everything. What exercises do I do? And there was nothing out there for 
an obese person that is over, you know, 687 pounds. You know, do I do this meal? Do I do that meal? Well, I tried everything. And then what happened was it got overwhelming and then I didn't do anything at all. So what happened is whenever I learned to turn on that switch of simplification, it was amazing. Whenever I overcame my mind, whenever I became a better version of myself and I embraced my situation and that declaration is that I am in this, whether, you know, Brandon, I'm accountable and accountable accountability and support is vital. But here's the thing. I am responsible and accountable for myself. And if I don't do this and, and, and like I want to do is I came up with an acronym for obesity is what I tell everybody that comes and reaches out to me. And here's what the obesity acronym is, is the O stands for overcome the mind. The B is become a better version of yourself. The E is embrace your situation. The S is simplify and stabilize your environment. Uh, the I is intrinsic motivation. The T is transform your habits. And the why is you are accountable and responsible for yourself. And that's my declaration that I came up wow. with. And if that's I fantastic. have declaration, it's not that's anybody incredible. else's declaration. It's my declaration. That, and I agree wholeheartedly. That's, that's incredible. Before we um, head into the end of our podcast and we speak about the obesity revolution, I direct this question at both of you. Why do you think people sabotage themselves uh do you want me to answer that first mel is that that would okay? be fine okay? absolutely yeah good you if you want why? to yeah here's what here's why here's why i did okay i had a very bad upbringing my stepfather i my dad died when i was six my stepfather um was verbally abusive i was physically uh, abused. I was mentally abused and I was also sexually abused by somebody in my neighborhood. And I had to come to grips with all that. You've got to come to grips with your past because if you don't outlive your past and don't overcome your past, you're never going to go forward. And I had to get past my past. And what happened was my stepdad, my stepdad treated me like garbage. I could do no right. I could do everything was wrong. On the other hand, my mother, she treated me like gold. And there was a conflict. And my dad always used to tell me when behind closed doors, when my mom wasn't listening, was that you are the reason why your mother and I fight. And he said, you'll never amount to anything. So what happened was now I'm responsible. But what, who, a person that does that, I have to take ownership of myself. But what that did to my stepdad did to me, caused me to where I believed what I heard for all them years. Okay. And so what I have to do is I have to finally fall in love with myself for who I am, where I am. And if I don't do that, if you don't love yourself, you can't properly love anybody else. Bottom line. And what I have to do is stop hearing that voice of my stepfather was ringing because every time I try to do something and I would fail, I'd be like, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what my stepdad said to me. So I believed it. I believed it. I believed it. I believed it. And then when the positive things would come in, I would focus on that negative connotation of what I perceived of myself. And so, therefore, I said food was the only thing. Even whenever I was younger, my dad, you know, would buy food, but he would almost like measure the food. And, you know, I felt, you know, like I was walking on eggshells. And so what happened was I had to get past that 
and my, I, I have no qualms with my, my stepdad. Of course, he's passed away. But the thing is, is that how he came and it trickled down. I have to get past my past. I have to get those voices out of my head. And I have to learn to fall in love with myself and embrace who I am. And the reason why we self-sabotage is because we believe the worst things about ourselves and never have any credibility until we validate ourselves. And I finally validated myself and had people around me that validated me from my wife to my mother, my sister, and some good friends. So the reason why we don't have any validation, we don't feel like we belong, we don't feel like we place, and we don't have any self-love. And that's what helped me, and that's why I believe a lot of people, they have a lot of self-sabotage and self-hate. And I'm my biggest hater. I, I'm the one that talks bad about myself more than anything. Why didn't I step in the gym? You know, somebody will judge me. Well, I was saying that to myself and nobody did. So I have to get past my past and I have to validate myself and I have to love myself. And if you don't do validate yourself, love yourself and get past your past, you're going to keep self-sabotaging and never get anywhere. I love your words, Sean. I really, really do. And I know that there's a lot of people that are going to relate to that. Um, I can think of a handful of people straight away. Bobby, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? You know, when me and Sean started talking, getting to know each other, it was amazing how many parallels we had yeah. in our childhood and our upbringing. Yes. And, you know, because Sean would tell me some things that were just tragic, but they were weird. Weird in, in their atypical. Like, wow, okay, you don't hear that. But it was almost like he was telling me my story. Yeah. I was like, you know, yeah. where, where there was a couple of things that had happened in my childhood. I, I had forgotten about it. And Sean brought something up about his childhood. I was like, wow, that, that same exact thing happened to me yeah. repeatedly. I haven't thought about that in decades. And, you know, you start to, given your experiences, you start to explain events in your life. And right or wrong, I think it's the emotional state you're in at the moment. There's a lot of factors that play in. To this, I'm, I'm not a big believer in right thinking versus wrong thinking, although there's some very destructive thought patterns and there's very constructive thought patterns. But when you start to get into the whole language of good and bad, it's a comparison. And I, I think yeah. it's a manipulation game mm -hmm. where that person, well, they're bad or, you know, they're where they are because they don't think right. Well, mm -hmm. the assumption there is, well, you deserve it. And who? Who are you comparing them against? You, of course, and if they think wrong, you think correctly. So I don't get mm. into that game because it, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help mm. either party. But when I emerged from my childhood, or I thought I did, that was a story I told myself is, I've got this, I've beaten it. I just traded one addiction for another. You know, when I was a little kid, I had an alcohol addiction. I'm talking about Same. like 11, 12. And then when I was 20, 21, I traded that for a work addiction because it stopped me from thinking, you know, about what actually occurred and how I feel about it. But you start to make some assumptions and the assumptions I started to make about why people do the things that they do came down to three things. And I've crystallized it and refined it over time. But number one, I think people always behave in correspondence with their highest values. When, yeah. you, when, when you have someone who says they want one thing, but they do another thing, 
I think what you're looking at is somebody has a declared commitment. You know, I will lose weight, let's say, just hypothetically. And, you know, on the other hand, you, you have things that this person does or doesn't do that either supports that declaration, that commitment, or it works against it. I mean, we, we've all been there. Mm. And you look at that, and I think a lot of times people make assumptions. Well, you know, I say I want to lose weight, but I come home and I have a pint of ice cream and people say, yeah, well, you're lazy. Well, if you've listened to Sean and his story, I, I think what I hope is occurring for a lot of people, and I believe it is, is the conclusion that, wow, for me to throw out such a succinct attribution error in a pithy little word or sentence to define what has happened over a lifetime of experiences and Sean's strategy to deal with those experiences, I am making assumptions that are absurdly wide and absurdly deep. I, I don't even begin to understand why Sean does the things that he does or doesn't do the things that he should do. Mm. But for me, it's about value. So you've got one, what's your verbal commitment? What do you do or fail to do that supports that or threatens that? And then you have this third thing to look at, which are what are your hidden values, right? So, you know, let's say I have a commitment to losing weight. You know what else I have a commitment to? I have a commitment to sitting down and eating certain foods every single night or having multiple drinks with my spouse because that's how we connect. Or I have a commitment to not losing weight because not losing weight. Here's something that's, that's very interesting. <clears throat> Milton Erickson, who is considered the father of modern hypnotherapy, when he was working with a group of women who were obese and then they lost a ton of weight. You're talking about like dramatic transformation. And you, you see images of people like this every day on Instagram where you're like, is that even the same person? And well, yeah, it is. Well, they, they started transforming like that. And with this particular group of women, what was interesting is they all reverted back and gained all of their weight. And in some cases, a little bit more besides. And under his care and his treatment, what he discovered was what all of these women had in common. Well, they were all severely abused, whether physically abused. So they grew up around life-threatening, consistent violence and emotional trauma or they were sexually abused. Mm. And what did all the abuse have in common? Men. They were all abused severely by men. So mm. they became really obese to one, create a physical barrier. And subconsciously, what can I do to make myself less attractive so I get less attention from men? And when they yeah. lost a lot of this weight, and they had this dramatic transformation, well, a lot of things started to occur. What do you think one of those things were? Men started paying a lot of attention to them. So, yes, they hated the way they looked. They didn't like the way they felt. But it was nowhere near as terrifying as the threat of being a victim again. Mm -hmm. Friends that they had known for a long time, who they knew were not after them for their body, started paying attention at a very different 
and in their mind, a very threatening sort of way. So now they didn't have the confidence of friendships. They felt the potential of threat, just like when they were younger. So you have this commitment of, I want to lose weight. But then again, they're doing all these things that stop them from losing weight. And we as an industry say, well, yeah, that's because, you know, insert whatever belief, assumption, attribution era you want to insert there. But really the hidden commitment was I was never safe. And when I lose weight, I don't feel safe. So let me ask you something. How successful are these women going to be in this group at losing and keeping the weight off long term? So one realization I think we need to arrive at is we do not train the human body. We train the human being that resides within it. That's a subtle but powerful shift. So there are a lot of assumptions and beliefs at the end of that that have to be dealt with in order to reverse that where I can have this and I don't have to sacrifice this hidden commitment. As a matter of fact, one commitment supports the other because I believe behavior when, when you're not dealing with clinical issues, that's my disclaimer. Behavior comes down to three things and this is an oversimplification, but in my own personal experience, I have found this right over and over one People act in correspondence with their highest values. When you ask them to sacrifice what they value absolutely most in the pursuit of something they value less, they wage an internal war against themselves, which they will not have the endurance to win. Number two, people's behaviors are highly influenced by an attempt to meet their most basic human needs. What are their basic human needs? One, physiological, right? I need to be alive. Two, I I need to feel safe, physically safe, emotionally safe. Three, I need to belong, right? I need to know that I belong somewhere. I need to feel significant. I need to feel inspired. So we either are behaving in a way that allows us to meet one of those needs or our behaviors are rooted in the fact that one of those needs are going grossly unmet and we're trying to compensate for it. Now, is what I just said absolutely true? I don't know. But the better question is, is it useful? If I look at a person like Sean and I say, well, you know what? He's just not motivated. Maybe he's lazy. Maybe he makes, I love this one, quote unquote, bad choices. Because I make freaking amazing choices in every situation in my life all the time. But he makes bad choices. That belief system isn't going to help me. And it sure as hell is not going to help Sean. It's going to shame him back into the same behavior patterns that created the problem in the first place. Where if I believe, you know what, this guy's doing the best he can with the resources he has. He needs more resources because I believe he's resourceful. I believe if I know what his highest values are and how this journey, this path will support that, he'll act in correspondence with those. What are his needs? Which one of those needs are most important? Because he's going to act to fulfill that. Which one of his needs are going unmet? Because that's going to create a behavioral response. You know, if, if he feels love every time he's losing weight, right, when he first gets started, but then after a certain period of time, like, oh, Sean's got this. And people withdraw. But when he trips up and has a relapse, gains weight again, people like rally around him. That's significant because belonging is, is major. 
So we yeah. need to we need to understand as much about the bo- uh, people as we do the body, and be invested in people, maybe even more than we're invested in our physical sciences because that changes. I mean, right. if, if you haven't opened up a book in the past ten years, guess what? You know, everything you knew about pain management might be wrong. Not everything, but a lot of things. What you know about, you know, functional anatomy is a little bit different. That changes over time. So let's not get too attached to that. Let's not master any of that. Let's be a perpetual student there. You want to master something, master influence. Which I is the commitment to positively affect somebody, the way they behave. I think what would be what would be a really fantastic idea is if we organise a podcast um, later on down the track about the mechanism in the brain that you know decides whether we're going to do something or not, and maybe discuss a little bit more about um, you know being able to move forward from the past because you know as a club owner you know I get a lot of people that come in and they have you know stories of, of their past and, and the reasons that they're overweight or and various other reasons why they need to join the gym. And I would love to do a podcast with the both of you um, at a later date on that. I would love to, and I value your input there, Bobby, I would love to ask um, Sean if he can just tell our listeners a little bit more about the obesity revolution and, um, you know, the teens of America. And is this something that we can all get on board globally? Like, is this something that I could initiate here? Tell me as much as you possibly can, Sean. Well, well Mel, I appreciate that. Yes, yes, and yes. So <laughs> with, the obesity, <laughs> with the obesity revolution is all about, okay, what does is, what is it come down to? Think about And I never would have thought in a million years that it would have come to this, Okay. And I mean, me to be talking with two rock stars in the health and fitness industry, you, Mel, and Bobby, I'm, just, I'm beside myself. So I feel like a, you know, a kid at a candy shop. Well, maybe not a candy. Well, yeah, that's what got me here anyways. But um, I just, the thing that I, I look at is, um, is this, is that my, you know, Brandon, after working with me, the data that he came up with me, you know, I had people you're reaching out to me by, by the, the hundreds. Okay. And what was happening, I never, you know, would have thought that, you know, be it, you know, 25 million views on my Facebook, uh, uh, 15 million on Instagram, um, and close to 20 on LinkedIn, uh, 20 million. And then plus be on Fox Forbes. I mean, I, I never, you know, read Forbes. I was intimidated by it, let alone be, be on Forbes and be in Forbes, my story, you know, where my, my transformation, my journey and not there yet. And so what happened is that when it, when I found out that, Hey, in the obesity revolution, the name came about was organic because people start hashtagging, Hey, uh, hashtag team Sean. And they started hashtagging, you know, Sean, you were the face and the voice of obesity. You are the obesity revolution. And I didn't think nothing of it yes, at the time. And people just started coming on board and you know, 100, 200 people reaching out to me every week. And uh, the awesome thing is Brandon came to me and what he started doing was getting success, changed my meal plan up. And there's not a one size fits all. And we can't treat, you know, uh, health and fitness as a cookie cutter, which that's what we want to do. We want to put everybody in a mold and we want to sort of put them in a cloak. And I, I don't fit. I don't fit in the cloak and I don't fit in the stereotypical uh, thing. So, Brandon came to me, which has has went and ignited, is they came to me, he says, uh, Sean, we were getting ready to be on Fox and uh, on my our interview, and 
Uh, they came and interviewed us for six hours and uh, we went there and Brandon came to me at, at the, you know, before we went on, he said, Hey, I got, I want to do a contest. I said, what do you mean? He says, I want the people that are reaching out to you. He said, what we're going to do. He said, I want to take on four other clients at no cost for six months. And I, we put that out there at the end of the Fox interview, had 500 people sign up. I mean, boom, right off the bat, they had to write a 250 word essay. Um, I started reading them and I, I had to stop reading them uh, because I wanted to take all of them on because, you know, I want to be the person that I needed in the darkest period. And my pain has turned into my greatest pat- platform, if you will. And so what happened um, to make a long story short, Powerful. he came to me and said, uh, he said, hey, he goes, um, uh, we did that and we had 500 people sign up and we were going to get down to the final 10. I had to divvy them up. Brandon said the same thing as I want to take every one of them on because he was reading and he it, it turned his light on even more because he didn't realize how much of a problem it was because most people were hiding in the shadows. OK, and they're hiding in this obesity. You know, they're waiting for a trainer to fall out of the sky. Um, they're praying that, man, I, I just need help. I want help. I want help. They're, they're, they're And they don't know how to get it. You know, they're watching these shows, My 600 Pound Life, and they're exploiting, you know, them. And they're thinking that that's my only answer. And so what we did was we got down, we divvied them up, the 500, got down to the final 10, had a team of 10 people. They read all of them, got down to the final 10, and Brandon was going to reach out and call them and tell them that they're finalists. And so what happened was they started crying, I mean, right off the bat. And uh, Brandon came back. He always likes to throw curveballs at me whenever I'm getting weighed. He's looking at the, the, the number and he's like has sort of this, you know, bad look on his face. And he turns, he goes, look, and, and he smiled because he's just throwing a curveball at me. And I, you know, whenever I lost my hundred pounds, you know, whenever I got down uh, to one hundred and five pounds, you know, it was just amazing. And so what he did to me goes, Sean, I can't take on four at uh, at this rate. I said, what do you mean? He says, I interviewed them all. He says, I'm going to take all 10 of them on. I'm like, what? So we had six here in St. Louis, two out of state and two out of the country. I mean, we had people signing up all over the world. Um, my Fox interviews at about 5.4 million views just by itself. And what happened was we had people just, man, I, I'm sorry, I missed it or whatever. And he took them on January 13th, almost a, uh, almost a year to the day that I went to the gym on January 14th was whenever or January 10th. I went into the gym for the first time. We met January 13th, a year later, a year and three days later, and all of them came in. They were so subdued. They were so, you know, withdrawn. They didn't know how to take this. They were just happy that they were, somebody was paying attention. So we met there. I shared my heart with all of them. Brandon shared his heart with them and said, are you ready to work? And now, right now, all of them right now are down collectively 300 pounds since February when they started their whole meal plan. 300 pounds. All of them. Um, Stella, Stella's down 75 pounds right now. Um, yeah, Steve, uh, Steve Eaker, he's down 80 pounds. Todd is down uh, close to 90 pounds. I mean, it's just amazing. 40 pounds, 30 pounds. I mean, everybody from L all the way up to, you know, not that's not counting my weight either. And so what happened was, is that now it's turned into another thing is people started reaching out again. And then we did the OVC revolution to where what we want to do is have a membership um, and I've talked to Bobby extensively about this and telling you, Mel, is that what we want to do is have it to where these people are reaching out, that they need some kind of help, that we have this system put in place. And all of them that are reaching out and they're saying they want to do this, they want to do this. I mean, I'm, I got people like today I had 
I was on the phone for, for four hours today with, with people that have reached out and I, I have to, you know, my schedule, I'm trying to, you know, keep it down and trying to make sure I schedule it out because I, I want to give all my time and be that person I need. And I know I can't, I can't help everybody. I get that. But what I feel like is that my job is to be that usher and usher them to the help, to the resources, to the Brandons, to the Mel's, to the, to the Bobbies, and us put this system together and this membership. And we already have an app that was created for us that Bobby knows about as well. And then what we want to do is also to be able to put this in gyms all across the, the, the world. And what they want to do is that we become a certification type thing become obese like the silver sneakers is or something like that we want to be the obesity revolution certification to where we go in there to where people that reach out to us that gyms become obesity uh, revolution certified and that we put the system together that people are coming in there and we have a team of trainers worldwide not just here i'm thinking globally i'm thinking so far beyond that because it's a pandemic i mean even in china they're having an obesity problem for the first time in China's history. And so my thing is, is that people that we have is that my job is to bring people and become the, um, the face and the voice, the, the, the guinea pig or the lab rat, if you will. And as I'm going through this, and that's the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of people that have been 600 pounds and lost their weight, but they never showed the struggle and the journey of it. They didn't show it until after they lost their weight because they were too ashamed to put themselves out there. And I just said, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to put myself out there, be vulnerable because there is great strength and vulnerability. And I found out this, you don't have to be perfect to inspire people. You just have to show people how you deal with your imperfections. And that's why I'm real. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not creating content. I'm documenting. I don't create nothing. I just put myself out there. I had a bad day. I don't feel like this, but I'm going to do it. I get up anyways. I get, I put, got put in the hospital uh, three months ago. I came back out, and I got down to my lowest weight after I got out of the hospital and been in there for several days, you know, infection, all that stuff. So what I'm saying is I need you. I need the Mel Tempest. I need the Bobby Capuccios. I need people like you all to rally around me in the cause of the people to say, listen, these people that are coming to me, I want to give them the resources because all I can do I can support them and I can encourage them, but I feel it's my mission to lead them to the promised land to where I have people in place to where we have a membership, you know, system put in place to where they can do it. They get an app account. This app is, is going to be incredible. It has a, a video component put in it because every app out there, I tried every app and they do not cater to me. I can't even put in my weight in most of these apps, you know, my BMR, I can't even place that in my RMR. It doesn't go to me. The Fitbit, my, the Fitbit, the algorithm isn't even fit for me. So I want to have real life data of something that comes to us. And I want to be able to have a team that we go globally and that we take over the gyms and say, you know, uh, Planet Fitness or Anytime Fitness or whatever, or any gym owner would become Obesity Revolution certified. And we take it on there and we have a train the trainers of us and people like us and that they would decide, I want to learn and give the trainers. I don't want every trainer is not going to have, you know, the professional, they, they, it'd be out of their, their, their scope or out of their profession or not their expertise in that. But you know what? There's other trainers like Brandon will say, 
I'll take one on. I, I want to learn this. Well, that's what I want. I want us to have that, that the doctors, the medical industry quits being dismissive. I want the, the health and fitness industry to take us serious. And I want obese people to take ownership and cut their stinking excuses why they can't. And they get up and do it. And all us that come together and have a global impact and completely try to get obesity and start increasing, that, especially childhood obesity. That's what Teens of America is all about. We're going in schools because one in three kids in America are obese. And childhood obesity, that's where it starts. And us coming up with a program that's going in there, and Bobby knows about Teens of America too, we're going to do a social mm -hmm. acceptance tour. And everything that's coming down here is that's what we're trying to get there. And that's what I need. I need the Mel Tempest and the Bobby Capuccios and trainers and the health and fitness industry to take and help and get behind us and partner with us. That's what the obesity revolution is all about. Sean, I know that Bobby will agree with me right now. You are not a billboard for poor choices. You are a billboard for what role models should be. Wow. Absolutely. Wow, no. You really, uh, honestly, you really, really are. And um, once we get this podcast out there, I'm going to start hitting up some um i'm going to start hitting up some sponsors we need to, we need to get this happening because i truly believe that what your vision is can happen i think we can get more club owners on board and i think that we can we can fight the the obesity that's happening around us and with people like yourself and with people like um Bobby, because I mean, let's face it, Bobby, you're incredible when it comes he to the, the mindset and behavior change of people. I, I listen to you. I learn every time I, I listen to you and I picture people who need to, to hear you that aren't in a position to hear you. And I listen to Sean. I think, oh my God, I think of people that I know that, that Sean can help. And I just think the two of you together can create the change that many, many people haven't been able to do so far. Wow. Wow. And Mel, don't outsell yourself either because you have the passion too for what you do as well. So you're, Thank you. you're a top dog also, seriously. And yeah, the Bobby Capuccio's out there, he's become a great friend and role model and mentor to me. And I'm just, I'm honored that you all would allow me to do this. I, I'm beside myself. Um, oh, you're, you're very welcome. I think, you know, I was sitting here and I was listening and often we go to podcasts and we talk about, you know, um, how to improve sales in the club and uh, what sort of marketing and what are the new trends. And we're so busy trying to be fashionable and in the now of everything. So we look like we're in the forefront of everything that's going on that we really forget about the needs of the industry right now. And I think because we have forgotten about the needs, this is why we have such an issue with obesity because we're all so busy trying to be trendy so that we can be on the, the front cover of the magazine or be in the top five or be the next keynote speaker that we've really yeah. forgotten. We've really forgotten about the people that matter and the people that matter are, you know, people like yourself, Sean, and, and you, are, you know, you're a role model to your children. And if you can't be a great role model to your children, then, 
what yeah. does that what's going to happen for them what sort of foundation right. is that going to be for them so maybe i think yes. and i mean this in a good way maybe people need to get off their pedestal a little bit come back down to earth with a thump and say why <laughs> did i get into the fitness industry I got into the fitness industry because I wanted to care for people. I want to change lives. Well, you know what? Actually start doing what you said you were going to do. Let's, you know, look at social media. Every time I get on social media, all I see is I've got a workshop this Saturday morning. Come and learn how to earn a million dollars in the next five years. Um, come to my workshop. Sign up for this. Sign up for that. Sign up for that. But... But <laughs> nobody's doing anything to really help what the fitness industry is about, and that's people's health and well-being. And, you know, Sean, absolutely, Sean, this is what you're doing, yeah. and by creating um, an answer for, for people who are obese, I think what's going to happen from there is you are going to be the future of the fitness industry. You, you're going to be the foundation that lays the success for the new and upcoming, I hope, personal trainers and group fitness trainers that are coming through the industry so that we're going to have the knowledge and education and we're going to have some real test cases to show people what worked. And I think that, um, I think that you're awesome. And I think that, um, I wish nothing but great success for you. And I know with Bobby there at your side, the both of you can change the way people look at the industry most definitely. Wow. Mel. Wow. That, that just, that, that just does my heart good. And, I, I just, I can't tell you how, you know, amazing that, you know, to, to, to be able to do this. I don't get to do, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And I never would have thought it in a million years. And Brandon couldn't have forecasted it. You know what I'm saying? And, and what happened is what I, I leave this is that something that Bobby said that, you know, changed my life too. And it came back to me. And I mean, it's funny at the same time how I was thinking about it, but you know, Brandon said he wanted to learn from me. So there's like these paradigm shifts, okay? And then Bobby on one of our conversations said to me, he goes, he goes, Sean, he goes, you know, I've been wanting to, to help the health and fitness industry see obesity, but he said, I couldn't go out and reach, you know, a person that's obese and say, hey, come on, and then you become a social media sensation because, you know, we never would have thought this in a million years. You know, Brandon took me on not thinking, hey, man, that guy's going to be a, you know, a, a, you know, whatever. He's going to reach millions of people. <laughs> and he he never would have thought. But Bobby came back and said, as we were talking about this, he goes, between you and Brandon, he says, I've been waiting for this. He says, you're the secret sauce, Sean. Yep. And I, and I laughed at him. I said to him, I said, wait. I said, you know what? I've eaten a lot of secret sauce because that's what got me to where I'm at, but I've never been called the secret sauce. <laughs> no, you, you, uh, I don't think you realize that, um, you're probably the, no, not probably, you are the answer that a lot of people have been looking for. Wow. <laughs> well, well, you saying it, Mel, <laughs> and then Bobby saying, I mean, both of you saying that, you know, because I, I want to, I re remain small in my own sight, not just my physical body, but, you know, be humble about it because, you know, you saying that and then when Bobby said that, that was like life changing. And you said, hey, you're the answer. This is like giving me chills down my spine. No, don't let then, it do like, that. You know, you know what? Stay, stay humble, Sean, and success will follow for a lot of people in terms of their weight. You know what? I would love to keep chatting, um, but we've been chatting for 70 minutes now. 
months, which nice. is which is a long time, <laughs> a long time. Yes. But so what we're going to do now is we're going to close off our podcast. And so therefore, I'd like to thank um, Sean Mulroney. Um, you know, the obesity revolution is going to be the answer for many, many people. And I'm going to encourage club owners and fitness professionals to get on board. As always, Bobby, you add such insight to the podcast. Um, you know, what, what can I say? You're just absolutely fantastic and you really do yes. help. Thank you, Mel. You really do help people like myself. You know, even though I'm interviewing you, you know, you give me tips and tools that I take away and then I implement them with my, my team and even in my, my family life. So thank you very, very much for your time today. Everybody, um, Sean's details will be in the bottom of the podcast in terms of where to find him on Facebook and also uh, on the internet. His website, theobesityrevolution.com, is the place to go and check out what he's talking about. Please do like Sean on Facebook. Uh, this is an incredible journey that is not over yet, and it's a global journey. And as always, you can find Bobby on all of his social media platforms. He's out there nearly every day posting something that gives us all something to think about. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, Bobby. You all were awesome. I love you both.